And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne Your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic Coming up on this week's show Who's gone for it? Oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Sublime from Callum Wilson. Newcastle not least Sean Longstaff to fight a stiff Everton challenge or two with Isaac ice in the cake. Callum Wilson scored twice in Liverpool and did it again as we rescued three points at home against Southampton. And Arsenal are northbound with their title challenge on the rocks. Hello, this is Pod on the Time. Sorry to those of you listening last week with small children in the room, uh, but we did warn you at the top. Uh, my name's Taylor Payne, and it's an absolute joy to be joined once again by George Corgan. How are you, George? I'm very good, thank you. I feel a bit like Callum Wilson coming onto the pitch against Southampton. I'm full of positive anger and I'm going to start this podcast with a two-footed challenge on our very own Jacob Whitehead, (laughs) Mr Everton, or so he described himself last week. He didn't actually describe himself like that last week, but um, I met him after the game against Southampton and he'd got into the Gallagher end with his lovely partner, Lizzie, and Lizzie explained to me, she told me, that Jacob was on his feet singing Newcastle United songs as those goals went in against Southampton. So we can definitively say now that we've got him. We've got him by the short and curlies. He's one of ours. All this Everton stuff, that can F off. (laughs) We've got him. Jacob, you're not going to be welcomed back on Merseyside anytime soon by the sound of it. How are you doing? Are you okay? There have been podcasts I've looked forward to a lot more than this one. I've got got a string of... (laughs) Uh, a string of rebuttals to give to George here. Uh, I guess one being that, uh, yes, the sound E-I-E-I-E-I-O did come out of my mouth. I was on the back row of Gallagher, um, so you had to stand throughout because otherwise you just wouldn't have seen anything and that's fine. Um, needed to fit in, do a bit of singing. The only song which Lizzie said I'd sung was allegedly one which goes, We Love Newcastle when I asked her to say which one it was, which isn't sound isn't a song I knew. And my love final Newcastle, we do. We, we love do. Newcastle, we do. You do no, love Newcastle, no. Jacob, don't you? And you do. If, if E-I-E-I-E-I-O, up the Premier League we go, is the song that you were singing, that's fair enough, because that's never, ever happened to Everton in living memory. It's down the Premier League you go. They've never gone up the Premier League table? No, never. <laughs> okay. Well, I think uh, I, heard, I saw you. I used to be saying, George, that the uh, atmosphere was quite flat 
for the first half yesterday. I think that was just me being a McGallagher, sucking it down with my Everton energy. I was being a one-man <laughs> flattener of mood. Absolute atmosphere sponge at the back of the Gallagher there. And uh, Chris Woff's here as well, Chris. How the devil are you? I spotted you in the press box yesterday, Chris, drinking a cup of coffee, and I hope you didn't spill that upon your private parts like you do usually with hot liquid. Are you all right? I did not, although I did. Ex- I mean, when George talks about being very aggressive, he did arrive in the press box yesterday, and I think this is because technically I have actually started paternity leave today, uh, which is going to be an article on the Athletic tomorrow. It's, go- it's going well over- straight on yes, the podcast. Yes, exactly, yesterday on the podcast. But George arrived into the press box, and I was sat drinking uh, a cup of cranberry juice, which they give it, you can get in the NUFC press box, to which George walked up and asked me why I was drinking it and then referred to me as a cranberry C-U-N-T um, <laughs> which he found hilarious as well so yes that was uh, that was that was good heavens <laughs> you can do one as well Woff leaving this ship like a rat <laughs> Well, I've got. An, I'm in no. As I've written in this piece tomorrow, I'm in nosebleed territory. I don't do Champions League campaigns. I've got. I've got to have a bit of time out to get my my mind recalibrated for that. So yeah, hey. absolute prick. Why don't you bugger off? See you in six months. Well, I'm glad we've managed to get all of the uh, <laughs> all of the aggression and the anger out of the way in the first five minutes. Uh, let's go back to Everton on Thursday night. Stupid night to play football. Nobody should play football on a Thursday night. Uh, but Everton brought the expected tactics. Hustle and foul, Sean Longstaff, bore the brunt of some particularly harsh treatment, didn't he, George? Yes, he did. Very good to see him back. I mean, obviously, I know he missed Southampton. He's got that injury, which is um, which is a shame. But he is so important. And I think his energy was missed against, was you know, in the first half against Southampton as well. Very important player to the team. He's had a fantastic season, and yeah, he he uh, he he did indeed bore the brunt of it. <laughs> Bear the brunt of it. Whatever. Bore the brunt of it. Yeah, I, well, that, like that. I have to be honest. I, I wish I could do that. Answer that question again because what did he did he bear the brunt of it? I mean, I have to say, I didn't. I was listening to the game on the radio, so I don't know that he got. He got you should have got a penalty. Absolutely wiped out. He got kicked once. Yeah. He, oh, one kick. Yeah. It should have been a penalty anywhere else on the pitch. Chris, come on, back me up here. Anywhere else on the pitch, and that is a that is a foul, isn't it? It was a, it was a horrible chuckle. Chuckle? I don't know what a chuckle is. It's 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 when someone tackles you whilst laughing, which is half tackle, <laughs> half chuckle. So half it's a chuckle. chuckle. Good, yeah. yeah. No, it should it should have been a penalty, and there were some there were some tasty challenges from both sides. To be perfectly honest, I mean Newcastle put in a few in the first half, and some some niggly ones in particular. But yeah, Sean Longstaff should have had a penalty, but thankfully it didn't matter in terms of the context of the match because as Jacob, who was there, will uh, let everyone know Newcastle bullied mm. uh, the, the the home side, didn't didn't they, Jacob? Regrettably, yeah, yeah, is you say regrettably? You wrote <laughs> you wrote a piece that felt like that's read like it was by a Newcastle fan. So don't say regrettably. You've got this like split personality going on at the minute. What is happening? Uh, yeah. Newcastle, the beautiful bullies. I, I did. I use the word beautiful. Well, I did. Maybe uh, for twenty-five minutes, Everton were right. First goal felt like it came against the run of play a bit, but then I did search through the Everton Twitter account and found that in the last year they've used the phrase "we've conceded against the run of play" nine times, which felt a bit, uh, <laughs> which felt a bit like I thought it was a bit, uh, a bit oh, on my nose exactly. to tweet at the time. But um, yeah, like yeah. it's all over the pitch. Just kind of, I can't think of a single Everton player who won their individual battle. And I mean, 
it's kind of beyond doubt that Newcastle's tactical system is better than anything Everton are turning up. And yeah, just it's kind of not just kind of physically, but it's a whole mentality of it. And you saw that by about kind of 60, 70 minutes, like it was a team and stadium who'd just been completely cowled by kind of that Newcastle brutishness, bullying, um, a very sobering 90 minutes of football. And Chris, Callum Wilson, Johnny on the spot again for that first goal. Some good work by Joe Linton down the left. I like him in that left forward position. I think he does his best work over there. I know he's been great in midfield, but I do like him playing in that position. Uh, and Wilson pops up in the box with a typical poacher's finish, wasn't it? Uh, with Joe Linton, yeah, I think it depends on on sort of opposition as to where where he is is his best. But, but like this week, he he cut inside. It was very similar to sort of the the chance which set up the Jacob Murphy opener against against Spurs cutting yeah. in and and. I, I agree with Jacob. I thought, did Everton start well? I think, well, Everton were, were, were sort of, I'd say, similar quality to Newcastle first 25 minutes in terms of, it looked like Newcastle were maybe a little bit, I wouldn't say intimidated, but the atmosphere maybe got them and they had to sort of ride a bit of a storm. Mm, yeah. And if Everton didn't have four of exactly the same midfielder, all of whom run around a lot but can't actually pass a ball, then they may have actually created some opportunities. But Newcastle were very sloppy in possession, I thought. Gave away a lot. Even Bruno Gimaraes, who usually is so good on the ball, uh, coughed it up quite a lot. And then, yeah, the goal sort of came, not out of nothing, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you didn't feel it was coming um, in that sense. And yeah, Callum Wilson took it very, very well. Uh, get gets a brace and then as we'll come on to it later. Imagine have a good, c- come on, Chris, just have, have a good cough. What? Have a good cough. <clears throat> right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right. Uh, so yes, Callum Wilson gets, gets the goal, follows it up, gets the goal, and at half time it, it felt like Newcastle maybe didn't necessarily deserve to be ahead, but from that stage you didn't really see them 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 uh, losing it from there. I mean, obviously Everton had the goal disallowed right on half time, rightly for a very marginal offside, but that could have could have perhaps changed the the complexion of the game. But I think that, that sucked the life out of the home side and really gave Newcastle the energy they needed for the second half. It did, and that early goal in the second half, Jacob, that really changed the tone, didn't it? With Joe Willock dancing down the left-hand side and popping it on Joe Linton's head. A, a, a nicely worked goal, and, and Willock again provider for a, for a Newcastle goal. It's uh, it, it's good to see him uh, playing like this, and that was it. Once the second goal went in, there, was, there wasn't much of a contest after that, was there? Newcastle have sort of developed this really good habit of calmness in possession when they're ahead. Like, sometimes they can get more frantic if they're chasing game or kind of feel like they should be ahead, which I'm sure we'll come on to with Southampton. But as soon as they have lead, they kind of, it calms them down massively. And then just Willock feels like he can do anything at the moment. Like he's playing with such confidence to actually try this stuff, which is where that creativity comes from when you've got that comfort where if stuff doesn't come off, it doesn't matter. You just want to try it. And um, I loved that Gillington header, kind of the power behind it despite only being a couple of yards out it was almost total overkill I think I described it in the piece as being a headbutt rather than a header Um, and yeah that was a delightful finish despite yeah being from two yards out it was and George I want to just quickly talk to you about Sean Longstaff again because we mentioned him at the top but he's become such an integral part of Eddie House team and the way that this team play hasn't he and and I mean we'll come on to Southampton he was a massive miss at Southampton but he was he was brilliant again at, against Everton he was all over the place yes um 
Really, really good. Really good. And I spoke, in fact, to, to Sean. I've done a big interview with him, which is up on The Athletic. I would love people to read it if they haven't already. He has been an absolutely integral part of the team this season, and that's been brilliant to see, to see him come back to the fore after a really, really difficult couple of years under Steve Bruce. And he was very, very open. He was very honest. And um, yeah, first of all, I asked him about what his mentality was like in January last year when it looked like there was a very good chance he might leave. Yeah, it's a bit weird looking back, I think. Um, Before the new manager came in, obviously to Newcastle, I think you obviously have to assess sort of every situation. And and to be honest, I wasn't enjoying playing football. I wasn't really enjoying, wasn't really enjoying coming in every day and sort of, not really playing, not really, in my opinion, I didn't feel like I was getting massively coached into becoming the, the best version of me. And I think sometimes you have to do what's best for yourself. And at the time, I knew Rafa at Everton and, yeah, obviously gave me my chance. And obviously I played well under him in the past. So it's it's natural that you sort of maybe have a little look at that. And and I think it's like anything, sometimes you need a fresh starter to go to sort of find yourself. and. Yeah, I think my first start probably came when the manager came in and after the first session I thought that's totally different and yeah, so my mentality probably shifted in terms of mentally probably being ready to go to sort of, you've got six months to save your Newcastle career really and funny how the, the game can change so quick and yeah, like I said, since the managers came in I've loved every second of working under him and obviously didn't play as much at the start but always knew once I got in his team where he wants to play, I, I thought it really suited me and yeah, like I said, it's funny how football can change so quickly and for me, I'm sort of happy I've obviously stayed and yeah, loving, loving life at the minute. You needed the club to show you the love that you that yeah. you shown the club as a kid, I guess, did you? Did, you? did you need a bit of that? Yeah, massively. I think, in my opinion, it's something that had been lacking the last probably two years prior, I would say. Obviously, Steve Bruce was the manager and he came in and I would come back from a knee injury and stuff and... I didn't really like feel I was ready and I sort of felt like I had to play and when you're in that sort of mindset and in that position you're never going to be able to play well and and yeah and I think over time I just sort of it's like anything you if someone shows you a bit of love and shows you a bit of affection and tells you how great you are as much as your professional footballers and adults it's always nice to hear and I think I hadn't heard it for a long time and yeah I spoke to the manager more last January than I'd spoke to Probably the old one in two years, <laughs> which is probably never a good sign to be honest. But yeah, like I said, I, I spoke to the manager loads, and he sort of just said to me how he sees me and the team and the plans he he showed us. And and I remember going home and I said straight away, yeah, I want to stay. And and now that's when I had to show him that I really want to be a part of it and stuff. And yeah, like I said, I'm really happy with how it's all worked out. And and because of that. I'll be forever grateful to the manager and everything he's done for me. And there is plenty, plenty more in that interview from Newcastle challenging for the Champions League to this team, this season's team, wanting to achieve something as a group and have something to show for it because they know that more players are going to come in in the summer and some of them will go and all the rest of it. To the Athletics Cup final letters and all the players crying on the morning of the game and basically Chris and Jacob ruining Newcastle's chances of winning the League <laughs> Cup on, on the morning of it, to his love of Tommy the Cat, to um, to buying 
to buying a cowboy hat whilst watching Yellowstone. There's lots of lots of nice stuff in there. I hope so. Yeah, please have a please have a read if you get the chance. Steve Bruce comes out of it well as well. By the sounds of it, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, he. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I didn't I didn't mention Steve Bruce's name, and I didn't um, I didn't sort of particularly want to focus on that because everything about the club is so positive. But I did, you know, it's important to sort of explain how Longstaff got to this point and from the you know from where he was at. And he, you know, he started working with a psychologist because he had you know he was really struggling. Um, he was bringing work home with him. He was desperately sort of upset about the team and taking everything personally and he's had to work really hard to kind of come back and he's been a brilliant story he is now playing like the player we thought he was when he broke through under Rafa absolutely and long may it continue it's brilliant having that sort of Geordie core to the to the team you know with him and Dan Byrne in there and He's just been a great story. I mean, I said at the start of it, I think he's, you know, arguably he is the story of the season, certainly one of them, and um, he's been brilliant. So get well soon, Sean, and come back soon. Absolutely, hopefully have him back ASAP. Uh, Let's just quickly go back to Thursday night uh, before we move on. That Callum Wilson goal, Jacob, that was a bit un-Callum Wilson-like, wasn't it? It was a beautiful pass into the top corner, past Jordan Pickford's despairing dive. Yeah, to mention is Jordan Pickford's despairing dive there, first and second name. I kind of noticed about. Uh, yeah, um, it, I think the most striking thing for me, almost about that, was was the build up. Just the fact that Bruno was allowed to run about fifty yards through the middle, yeah, completely untouched. And and I, I know we t- we talked about kind of the mood of the game changing. It was emblematic of that. But yeah, I think even um, Eddie Howe talked about after the game about uh, that being a very uncallum like finish, which um, I'm sure his striker loved as a compliment. But um, <laughs> it was such a languid shot, wasn't it? Kind of starts it just outside the post, drifts it in, and real dagger there with about 20 minutes left. Brutal. It was an aesthetically very pleasing goal, I thought. Very pleasing, aesthetically. For some, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jacob, you Geordie Raj. Come on. <laughs> We've got you now, Jacob, that's it. Uh, and uh, talking about things that are aesthetically pleasing, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about the highlight of Thursday night, Alexander Isak's magical moment. Uh, and after Chris's musical description of the Willock Pass went down so well last week, uh, we're going to ask him to repeat the trick. Take it away, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I feel pressure here, not... Not because of last week, but more, more because of. If anyone didn't hear, then please listen to uh, listen to the commentary on BBC Radio Newcastle, which is on the clubs uh, tweeting out of the goal. Because John Anderson just laughs throughout Alexander Isak's uh, mazy run. So basically, what happens is Everton have just scored direct from a corner. Everyone thinks, "Oh, this isn't great." You know, three-one. They might come back into the game. Dan Byrne gets the ball at left back, passes it to Alexander Isak who is on the halfway line, right on the left touchline, and you're thinking, oh, where's he going to go here? And he, and he decides, I'm going to take on Ben Godfrey here. Takes a couple of touches with his left foot, almost the rest of all of the rest are with his right. Shimmies it, goes down the line. Other defenders come across to cover, and suddenly Isak decides he's going to go at the corner flag, and you think, what the <laughs> heck's he doing here? Joe Willock is screaming for the ball in acres of space, and Isak ignores him, and then all of a sudden, a shimmy... Touch to the line, gets to the byline. Other defenders come across. Abdelay Decore, by the time he gets across, Isak's already left him behind, and he's basically in the corner flag himself. <laughs> 
he goes back to Godfrey and thinks I'm going to beat him again. Lovely little flick over him. Ben Arthur, Bolton goal-esque. And then he gets into the box, transfixes Jordan Pickford, flicks it into the area. It takes a slight deflection, which robs him of the assist of the century. And... Jacob Murphy puts in the back post, and I worked out that he took 20 touches and either beat or transfixed nine Everton players. It was absolutely astonishing. Thierry Henry, Messi-esque, whatever you want to compare it, whoever you want to compare it to, it was staggering. It was quite simply one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire adult life. It was <laughs> it was wonderful. It was so good. I think to Abe John Anderson as well, I was just sitting laughing by the time he got the ball into the box and then Murphy put it in and that was it. If Even if it hadn't have been a goal, it would have been a wonderful, wonderful moment and an amazing run. But to top it with a goal, George, man, how weird. This kid's got magic in his boots, hasn't he? Yeah, it was an astonishing moment. I'd, as I said, I was, on the, I was on the train coming back from London, so I wasn't watching the match live. So, but I saw the saw the clips afterwards. It is just absolutely, it is absolutely brilliant. And what a player, what a player Newcastle have, and um, you know what fantastic competition they now have in that position as well, um, which we'll come on to. But no, it was absolute. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. Let's be honest, totally ridiculous. Actually, what happens afterwards as well is that because obviously the, the goal is being replayed over and over again because of how ridiculous it was that what Isak had done. Newcastle win the ball back quite quickly from the restart, and Isak gets it in almost exactly the same position. Yeah. Runs at Godfrey, who looks terrified, thinking he's going to do him again. Himself, and, we're not doing the music. We're not doing the. We're not doing the music again, Chris. You've had your moment. You've had your moment. He does. He does. He does that. He does though decide he's going to oh. pass to Joe Willock at this moment because he has ignored him for a good twenty seconds beforehand. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, but just staggering. Ollie, our producer before the podcast started, said, I bet you can't guess what the music's going to be. And I genuinely thought in my head it was going to be the Benny Hill theme tune because that's how it, that's what it felt like as he was running and all those people were chasing after him <laughs> and he, they just couldn't get close. But, oh my God, what a moment. I what thought having moment. gone down the sort of sexy route last last week, we were going to follow that up with a bit of Serge Gainsbourg and uh, <laughs> Je t'aime moi non plus. But no, he's he's gone... He's gone. What was, what was that? Ski Sunday. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Ski Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Slaloming yeah. between defenders, yeah. he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Lovely stuff. Right then, let's have a little break, chat. We'll be back in just a moment. Get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. We'll be back in just a tick. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Is Jacob still here? Jacob, you've just disappeared off my feed completely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, still All right, great. Still okay, here. cool. I just thought you'd had enough.
Right then, chaps, on to Sunday, um, and another slow kind of start at St. James's Park, and a bit of a flat crowd to begin with, but I must say at the top, before we go any further, thank you to uh, Michael Smith and his dad, George Smith, as well. Uh, very kind to me at the game on uh, on Sunday. Uh, I had a lovely afternoon, thanks to him. Uh, a brilliant day, another uh, great result, but Chris, it was a bit of a flat start, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it was... It felt very much like two teams who played on Thursday night and then were playing again on Sunday during the first. So it was it was very weird in terms of it was like there was moments where both sides were very lethargic and didn't really mm. press each other, and then all of a sudden it would burst into into moments where. Southampton would counter-attack with like two players and the rest of the players wouldn't follow or Newcastle would surge a few players forward. Anthony Gordon got through quite a few times. Jacob Murphy saw quite a lot of the ball Should have scored. first 25 yeah. minutes as well. And yeah, it was just lacking that sort of extra little bit. I think the crowd were, the players were, and it, 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 it felt like both needed one to ignite the other and it just didn't quite happen. And the more that the first half dragged on, the, the more you feared that it was going to be that Southampton might yeah. might hit them with that sucker punch of a of a goal. I mean, they had be. I mean, they threatened in the very first minute. They had a, they had a shot from uh, Kyle Walker Peters cut in and, and it hit low. Yeah. And they did have that in them. They did have that energy to, to be able to get forward. And first half, they were very. They pressed quite high at times. They actually had a high defensive line as well, which was the complete reverse of the of the second half when they were pushed deeper and couldn't get out of it. So, yeah, it was just, it, it was flat and, and felt, I think lethargic is, is, is probably the right word for both Newcastle, the crowd, and even Southampton to a certain degree. Yeah, Jacob, Newcastle looked a bit leggy, didn't they? There was passes going awry and people were getting caught in possession and it just didn't seem to come together in that first half at all. There was, you know, people who are usually so dependable on the ball, like Bruno Gimaraes was giving the ball away, Joe Linton gave the ball away a few times and you could feel the frustration in the crowd starting to grow and obviously they didn't make it to half-time unscathed. There's a weird kind of mix between lethargy and impatience, I thought, where some people are kind of not quite up to the speed of it and kind of maybe expecting goals to come because you're at home to bomb of the league and you've won your last two games by a combined 10-2. Um, and then there's other points where they're sort of trying to play that killer pass almost way too early and just losing the ball kind of sloppily. Now, that said, I mean, like, they probably could have scored two goals in that first half with those Gordon chances. And, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Bruno. I mean, he had sort of bits both ways. He said on Instagram after that he kind of felt disappointed, um, which is, I mean, still quite a pretty impressive taking accountability since he did still dictate most of the game from midfield, even while kind of saying it was a bad game. But, um is a good counter-attack. They got caught. It was the kind of goal which top six guys can see when you've been dominating possession and then kind of are slightly off it and get caught out. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm finding positive out of it there. And George, Anthony Gordon, he had a, a bit of an impact in that first half, didn't he? And he got through a couple of times, flashed one shot into the side net and, and then he got a great chance that he hit the post with. You want to hope that this doesn't sort of dent his confidence a little bit. And obviously he was hooked at halftime. Uh, obviously it was probably a tactical change to bring Callum Wilson in and it, it did make all the difference, didn't it? But it's Anthony Gordon, just it was a shame he couldn't cap that, uh, that decent display in the first half with a goal. Well, he looked like he visibly sort of wilted a bit after that chance, I thought. Yeah. And I think he needs, you know, this was his first start at, uh, at St. James's. I think he sort of needs that moment, you know. Yeah. I think he needs that moment to give him the confidence to 
to kind of push forward and push on. It's not something to be concerned about or worried about as far as I'm concerned. He's very young. He is still raw. He will get better under Eddie Howe. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But yeah, he's still sort of waiting for uplift. Yeah. And again, you know, Callum Wilson comes on and just like he did at Brentford, comes on and with that sort of just anger and energy changes things immediately, just change things immediately. I mean, I think that, you know, I think it's very difficult for the team and St. James's to be at the level they were against Spurs the, the previous weekend. I mean, I think that takes a lot out of a team and a crowd as well. Yeah. And it, it sort of, you needed one element to spark the other on Southampton, uh, against Southampton. And that happened when Wilson comes on and then suddenly the crowd responds. Um, I just love watching Wilson when he plays like this proper centre forward Chris has written a, a great piece about him um, on The Athletic and I talked to Dan Byrne afterwards and he sort of said yeah he's he's angry yeah he's playing as if he's angry he doesn't want to be out of the team he wants to be starting and suddenly you've got this brilliant vibrant competition with Isak for a starting place and then we saw the potential of the two of them playing together in the second half as well really just really good really good I noticed Wilson when he scored the goal against Tottenham, the, the the last goal, he didn't have his trademark beam and smile on his face and he almost looked a little bit pissed off at the fact that he sort of scored a couple of goals and then was back on the bench again and he scored. Maybe I'm reading a bit more into it than is there, but he is playing with an awful lot of anger at the minute. But hey, it's bringing goals, so we're not going to argue with that. And George spoke to Dan Byrne about Callum Wilson after the game and he agreed the break in Dubai had given him a chance to refresh his fitness. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think probably a bit of a, a mental break for him, and I think probably Alex coming back to fitness has pushed him a little bit as well. Uh, I think obviously Woody went in in January, and we've said it before when you've probably not got that competition as well. Like, not that Callum sort of let his standards drop and stuff, but I think it's good to have that healthy competition. And him and Alex are both pushing each other every week. And as I said, they're, they're different type of players, but they've both been scoring goals, and so I'm just just buzzing for for Cal. I think shown um, how much of a team player he is as well when when he hasn't played he's not sort of kicked up a fuss like a lot of strikers do yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, as strikers do anyway but I'm um, not just really happy for him I mean I think I think I'm right in saying no Newcastle player ever has scored more goals in a calendar month mm. than he has this month yeah. I mean to have that kind of on the bench ready to come on but he's like playing with this, this astonishing hunger yeah. isn't he like angry almost yeah of course no, but he will be obviously I think as, as a striker and as you number nine for Newcastle you want to play every single game so when he's not, it will be probably that little bit of anger and wanting to prove people wrong and uh, prove the gaffer wrong. But as I said, I think they've complemented each other really well when they've played together. They're both different type of players, but both scoring goals and just really happy for it. And, and then as someone who's sort of you know in the team and you start and you have a first half like that, can you almost, I'm not saying relax, again, that's the wrong word, but knowing that you've got players who mm. can come on and change things and like give you that lifting energy again is yeah it? I think that's the difference now I think when we, we look to a bench and we've got people like Miggy Cal coming on obviously Max is injured but when Max comes back I think we've got players that can change games and uh, really affect it which is a lot of the top teams have in this league um, which probably we haven't maybe had um, for a while so yeah it's good I think coming on I think we knew that once we got a goal that would probably go on to win it it was just trying to get that first goal as quickly as we could uh, ultimately, though, Jacob, this uh, this match was a lesson, wasn't it, that you can look foolish very quickly if you start taking things for granted and Newcastle United can't afford to take this Champions League qualification for granted, can they? No, I mean, especially with, I mean, it feels like Liverpool had been written off. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to finish top four still, but it doesn't seem 
beyond the realms of possibility that they win their remaining games, especially looking at their opponents, which does mean that Newcastle would still need a few more wins. Now, they looking at kind of the running, they should get that. There's no need really to be worried or concerned, especially with the form they're in, but there is still work left to do. I sound like Eddie Halver. <laughs> they are guaranteed European football next season. That's un- unbelievable, isn't it? That is astonishing. So whatever happens in terms of the Champions League, I mean, yeah, Liverpool, Liverpool uh, are on the move, and um, there were some, you know, there were some big clubs beneath them. But um, you know, the way that Newcastle are performing at the moment and able to kind of grind out results as well, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, I just don't put it past them. I think they're close to the Champions League. I would back them to get it at this point. And the reason that they are, well, one of the main reasons they are so close is is the number of goals that between them Wilson and Isak are scoring. I mean, Wilson scored eight throughout April. And if you remember, before the international break, he was really struggling, didn't look physically fit. Yeah. Was was you were wondering long term, well, what is the future from Alexander Isak is had usurped him at that stage and you and you were thinking how can Wilson get back to, to where he was? And that international break it refreshed him, but he also had time to train. And in the seven games since, most of which he hasn't started, he scored eight goals at a rate of one every 38.6 minutes. And if you Amazing. go between the two of them, the only striker in the Premier League to score on a quicker rate than the two of them is Erling Haaland, who scored a goal every 71 minutes this season. Wilson is second with a goal every 104 minutes that he's played. And Isak is a goal every 108 minutes. I mean, it's, it's staggering to have two strikers yeah. who are pushing each other to these levels. And you also now, you do, there is that option and it's becoming more and more tantalising a prospect that fans are demanding. And I think it is getting the stage where Howe may be now considering of it, getting them on the pitch together from the start of a game. Yeah. You've seen that Isak can play as a number 10 if you were to switch to a 4-2-3-1. You've seen now he can play wide left. He's done that in two. He was moved there against Everton and, and brought in the ludicrous assist that wasn't. And then also actually provides an assist when he was shifted there against Southampton and to have the two of them pushing each other to these levels it is just it's exactly what Wilson's needed he's needed almost that sort of I'd say it is a kick up the backside almost he said himself I know I have to perform to be in the team and he he scores a brace he scores a brace on Thursday gets dropped for 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 or, or rotated for Sunday and he isn't even guaranteed to start against Arsenal next weekend having scored eight goals in his last seven games yeah. that is exactly what Eddie Howe wants it's exactly what Newcastle needs and, and and really that is why they are such a frightening prospect for opposition sides right now that mentality is so important I mean it's like you know there's been such a low glass ceiling at Newcastle for a long long time but I think there is now that sort of quickening of senses it's like you know that next you know over the summer the club will kick on again new players will come in particularly if they're in the Champions League and if you want to be part of it if you want to stay part of it you've got to be really really good yeah. and I think there is that sort of feeling around it that they know they can achieve something very special this season that's one motivation the other motivation is wanting to stick around and I agree totally with Chris a couple of months ago, you'd have thought you looked at Wilson, and it's it's like, well, he's finished. It's like he looked he's lost, not, didn't he? He just looked yeah. lost. Yeah, he looked of his uh, as he lost that bounce in his legs. As he, you know, has something sort of gone as being called up for the World Cup. As it as he lost motivation or whatever. And I'm just so delighted because he is just brilliant to watch. He came on, you know. Jacob used the word bullying um, about about sort of Everton last week, but. He came on, changed the game, bullies defenders. They don't know what they're doing. And suddenly Newcastle have that focal point. It's just brilliant to watch. 
It is, Jacob. Uh, just quickly before we we move on, these this Champions League spot, it's it's getting more and more tantalisingly close, isn't it? After every game, and we said last week, fifteen points would guarantee that place. That's now just nine points, and that's assuming that Brighton uh, get maximum points from their seven remaining fixtures. It's so close, isn't it? It's so, so close. But there are still teams there who could cause problems and Liverpool are coming strong at the end of the season. Uh, and Spurs could even turn it around. <laughs> Although I don't think that's going to happen now. Uh, but Man United are still in there and it's it, it it's such an amazing running, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Newcastle are helped by the fact that they look in better form than Manchester United over the last month or so. Like that third place is there for them. It's not like they're just one of four teams scrapping for fourth place. They kind of are able to look upwardly mobile, nine points as a maximum. You'd back them to get it, especially with a run-in. Um, I'll sort of share a graphic which uh, the data guys have done, kind of comparing run-ins of all the teams, and Newcastle's compares relatively favourably. It's just what an opportunity this is against Arsenal at a weekend coming up, which we'll talk about. Um, but Newcastle obviously have a decent record against Arsenal recently. Arsenal under a lot of pressure. I mean... What a way that would be to potentially rubber stamp the top four. I don't care what happens as long as we get there. I just don't want to have to go to Chelsea on that last game of the season needing to get something. That would be awful. That would be a horrible, horrible experience. Uh, anyway, let's move on quickly before we finish off. Uh, George uh, and Chris, you were both uh, photographed with a Newcastle shirt in aid of an important cause. And you want to tell us about the brave little boy behind that, Chris, didn't you? Uh, yes, I do. So there's, there's, a, there's a young lad called... Uh, Arthur Salters Holt, who is, was diagnosed earlier this year with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and it also turns out that he subsequently has a chromosome mutation, which is unique in the world. He may require a bone marrow transplant in the future. Um, and so at the moment, there there is a Newcastle shirt being passed around various different people. Steve Harmison, who was in the press box, John Anderson, uh, Darren Eels, the Newcastle CEO, held up a shirt which says, you can beat this Arthur on the back. So uh, his, his father is Ricky Holt, at Big Rick 1992 uh, on Twitter. If you want to find out more and potentially donate or potentially find out if you could be someone who could be uh, provide a bone marrow transplant because he, this this brave little lad, uh, hopefully we can help him uh, recover from this because he's, he's shown such fight so yeah just wanted to mention that lovely stuff Chris thanks for that uh, right then let's move on chaps more good news from the women's team uh, another game kicking off at the same time as the men as they kicked off at Southampton uh, this is the second consecutive week that that's happened but they certainly got the result they wanted with another 6-0 victory George uh, this was the reverse of the recent win at St James's Park as well wasn't it yeah and a brilliant result and it keeps it keeps the momentum going they're now top of the league on goal difference brilliant. and it's all in their hands so um they have only got one game to go, and um, yeah, fantastic! It's, I mean, it's so tight, but they've done such a brilliant job. But yeah, they're they're one game away from promotion, which has been the aim all season, and yeah, really exciting. Lovely stuff. Uh, Becky Langley just had one more game to the crowd during celebrations. It's as simple as that now. One game at Barnsley, three points will see them win the league title and promotion to the third tier. Come on, the lasses, you can do it. Thank you. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So our visitors uh, next are runners-up elect Arsenal. Uh, we all remember what happened the last time they had a night on the tune. Yes, and Maximan. Good work from Alisson Maximan, and it's pushed away by Aaron Ramsdale, who had to react really sharply. Yeah, that's a top save. That is Newcastle looking by far the most dangerous here. Here's Joe Linton on the charge in towards Wilson. Wilson! Well, he's enjoying himself out there tonight. Really has. By Sean Longstaff. And Callum Wilson! Ramsdale gets there first. Give it So it's doubtful that we'll have any repeat of that Southampton first half atmosphere, George, when Arsenal are in town. It should be a, another fantastic game, another fantastic occasion. Yeah, and Newcastle finished off Arsenal's uh, f- finished off Arsenal's tilt for the Champions League last season, towards the end of last season. They won 2-0 that day, and if you've seen the All or Nothing documentary, you might remember Mikel Arteta saying that the team were fucking embarrassing and that Newcastle were 10,000 times better. I think that's actually been quite an important moment for Arsenal's yeah. sort of subsequent recovery. But just like you knew the Tottenham game would have an absolutely electric atmosphere and that the team would be up for it, we know that it'll be exactly the same this Sunday. It's God, it's so nice to be able to say that. You just know that team and stadium will be roaring and up for it, but they will. And 
Yeah, I mean, Arsenal have been a breath of fresh air this season. They haven't quite managed it. Man City are an absolute machine. But, um, you know, I love the fact that Newcastle can still have a play a decisive role in what's happening at the top. Absolutely, Jacob. I'm sure everybody at Arsenal's completely forgotten about that night last <laughs> last season when, when Newcastle uh, took away Champions League uh, qualification from them. Yeah, that's the game which leaves some ghosts, isn't it, like in the cupboard? Um, I, I guess from the outside looking in, kind of what do you guys make of how significant was that for Newcastle? Kind of George spoke about how that had affected Arsenal's subsequent recovery. But from the outside looking in, like that was the first game where I was watching thinking this is a Newcastle side who can really compete with these top sides who can go and beat them on pure quality rather than snatching a goal here or there or heroic defensive performance. Like, is, is, is that fair? Yeah, I would say that's fair. Yeah, they were up, I mean, Newcastle were breathless that night and Howe was asked afterwards and he sort of said, that is the blueprint for what I would like my side to be going forward. And to think that they could actually transplant that into what they were going to become this season and to be able to do that on an almost weekly basis yeah. or certainly fairly regularly across the course of this season. I didn't think they'd be ready to do that at this stage and I didn't know if they'd be physically, any side would be physically able to have the capacity to do that and yet they have found it. So I do think, yes, I think it was very, I think it's a good point. I think it was very important for this Newcastle side to lay down a statement also for how to be able to revert back. I know he's reverted back to that moment in pre-season with the players and said, this is how we want to play. This is this is the start. Yeah, we're going to keep going forward with this. That was the glimpse of 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 the Newcastle that can be. And I mean, you just have to think back to how it's been about you know with the big clubs against the big clubs in our recent history. You know, it's been about eking out a draw or eking out a fluky win on the counter. You know, there've been some kind of good moments, but that's all they were. This was an absolute definitive statement. It was, and the fantastic thing is that they've completely followed that up this season. They have, uh, Chris. Injuries. Let's have a little quick update on that. Sean Longstaff. We we said earlier on in the in the show that hopefully that injury won't be as bad as first feared. Uh, and obviously Jamal Lasalle's missed out as well on Sunday, not on the bench either. What what's going on with him first of all, and then do we expect Longstaff to be back? So Jamal Lasalle's. Uh, I think he tore a calf in training, and Eddie Howe says he thinks it's unlikely that Newcastle will see him again before the end of the season. I don't know whether that means that he can still be booked if he if he decides to come down the touchline and, and disrupt a throwing or not. If he'll not find a way. Scott, yeah, exactly, yeah. That would be very disappointing <laughs> if he doesn't manage to reach five bookings by the end of the season. Because particularly against Arsenal next weekend, that's exactly the sort of match you want that niggle. Um, Sean Longstaff, Eddie Howe said that he did have he had a scan on front X-ray on Friday. Did they don't believe that there's a fracture or a break, and he, he didn't rule out that Longstaff could be back for Arsenal. Um, so that that's a positive. It, hopefully, it's just if, it do, if he does miss Arsenal, then he won't be out for much longer than that. And then Alan Saint Maximan is back training, but he's still not fully with the sports scientist. I think there's an outside chance he would be on the bench next weekend, but it might be uh, the following weekend, possibly before we see uh, Alan Saint Maximan. So yeah, long staff for the positive, but Jamal Lascelles, and and I realise that Lascelles has played very little football recently, but he is still a very strong present in the dressing room he has been that person uh, on on the touchline as well and I know that, that that Eddie Howe was very pleased with him when he when he came into the side last month yeah and and, and performed well so it, it is a blow because Newcastle have a lack of of, of, of central defensive options uh, at the minute I yeah. mean Paul Dummett was all ready to come on on in the 96th uh, yeah. minute against oh, uh, Southampton was all stripped and ready and then yeah the whistle blew and and, and he, did, he didn't get to come on for that appearance because we haven't seen Paul Dummett in a while but yeah that's uh 
that, that, that injury stretching Newcastle in a couple of areas now. Uh, and still no Alan Sir Maximan either, Chris. How, how long are we looking at for him, or do we think that's it? No, I think Alan Sir I mean, he's, he's, as I said, he's back. He's with the sports scientists. He could... He could he could be on the bench next weekend, but it may it may be a week too early. So I think in the not too distant future we'll see Alan Sat Maxman back. But then equally, this is from an Eddie Howe press conference update, and we know that he just says things to do with injuries which don't necessarily bear any relation to reality. So we shall see what he says before the game next weekend. No problem at all. Just quickly before we finish off, uh, Alan from work uh, and Ian Wright got together for The Athletic to talk about Arsenal's progress under Mikel Arteta. And Wright is delighted with this season, even though it looks like they'll fall just short in the title race. Last season was the, was the start simply because we got so close. And I think that the fact that we got so close stood us in good stead to do what we've done this season and have the belief. In the end, you know, I don't know, we may running out of steam, running out of squad depth. But I think that, again, losing those games, we got to that part of the season where if we beat Newcastle up there and if we beat Tottenham, then we would have been in the Champions League. And then again, you look at the mentality and the strength of our team, we've ended up having the season what we're having now. So you're thinking that even though it's not finished yet, there's a massive disappointment because obviously you want to win it, but the, the goal was to get into the Champions, to get in the Champions League. I think we've done it with five games. You know, we've done it. But like I said, the main thing for us is not resting on the laurels and finishing fizzling out this season deserves the guys to finish on their shield really going for it and that is what I'm quite pleased about because Mikel will not let them sleep they will have to do that you know what I mean because he's a winner the whole club it's a winning club that's what the mentality is now you still got to come to Newcastle as well it was this stage last season wasn't it yeah, that? It was, yeah. yeah. when we had to go there Newcastle we'll now, have to kick your form. ass again then <laughs> <laughs> they haven't, they haven't, have you got a song have Newcastle got a song now? what's your song the Blade and Racers you know the Blade and Racers it's not as good as the North London North London <laughs> when you see, it makes you feel like I'm going to cry every time so now going back to us it's a case of the belief you know, going again, you know, you're going to have to learn a lot from this season if you're going to take on Man City because, let's face it, they're only going to get stronger. They're only going to get stronger. So, yes, 2004 is a long time, you know, nearly 20 years, you know, so... Could be worse, man. It could be 1969. <laughs> yeah, but you lot are on your way as well, right? <laughs> See, Couldn't now, it? even that, we've got to worry about them. You know what I mean? They're coming. You know, Eddie Howe's doing unbelievable things. You know, like... Again, we've got to go to a Newcastle at St. James's Park where, you know, even when you saw what they'd done to Tottenham the other day, but the, the atmosphere before. And then when you look at teams going to Newcastle now and, and, and playing five at the back out because they're afraid. Newcastle, with what Eddie's doing in his kind of like the guy next door kind of like face, you know, like an <laughs> altar boy face. <laughs> You know, but un un underneath he's Clint Eastwood, you know, it's like you're seeing he is so, again, he's somebody else that is so perfect for them. Exactly how Mikel is for us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, exactly how Mikel is for us. It's not easy to win this league, like I say, but, you know, we, we look like we're, we're starting to get to the top table. But Newcastle are coming as well. We're coming. Coming after you. Yeah. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, George, it's similar emotions for them, isn't it? <laughs> Expectations exceeded comfortably, but 
important not to let the standard slip. And that was a lovely little piece from uh, from Alan and Wright. Yeah, he's br- Ian Wright's brilliant. So when when this piece was suggested, I think the you know the idea was that Arsenal were top of the league and probably going to win the title, or maybe going to win the title. And then obviously by the time the two of them got together, I was there as well. It was real what a pleasure. He's sort of worried a bit, a bit about how it might be and what his sort of emotions might be, but he's just so he's he's one of those people that can't help but give off sort of those positive vibes he's a great fellow very funny um and yeah um we actually went to highbury and then to the emirates to get that sort of sense of arsenal coming home but um yeah and they've you know just like newcastle have arsenal have rediscovered that part of themselves i think that had been lost a bit during those difficult seasons for them. I mean, it's the smallest violin going because they still managed to win countless <laughs> FA Cups and finished in the Champions yeah. League every season. But yeah, they've been a breath of fresh air this season. They absolutely have. I need to get Ian Wright to unblock me on Twitter. He, he blocked me years ago. I think I said something unbecoming about Alan Pardew and I think he took umbrage with it and uh, I, I don't get to see his Twitter anymore. It's such a shame. Uh, so if anybody can have a word, that would be nice. Uh, right then, chaps, I think it's time to wrap things up. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for your time. I hope it's not been too difficult for you this week, mate. Uh, it's not been a pleasure. Not been a pleasure at all. E-I-E-I-E-I-O <laughs> Up the Premier League we... Come on, Jack. You were joining in yesterday, Jacob. You know the we... words. Lizzie's currently, you know, receiving help for her compulsive lying and, yeah, <laughs> throw her under the bus. <laughs> Pathetic. Jacob, uh, think of all the new grounds that ever can visit in the Championship next season. Oof. I can get you to give me a guide to them. You might be playing Sunderland. That'll be good fun. Uh, Chris Woff, thank you very much, Chris, for your time. You're very welcome. George hasn't yet called me an expletive in this podcast, so therefore I feel I've got through it relatively unscathed. I'm pretty sure that I called you a prick right at the start for for about to be taking six months off, but I'm very happy to call you it again. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, and oh, but Chris, enjoy the paternity leave as well, mate. Have a nice one. Thank you very much. I'll still be appearing on here. And love, love to the family. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. And George Corkin, thank you so much, George. Yes, and uh, I will use this as an excuse to actually say nice things about Chris, who is an absolutely fantastic colleague and a lovely friend, and um, someone who is very, very important to me. Um, he will be a big miss. Having said that. We do also have the lovely Jacob, and now I have to say some very nice things about him too, because um, he's been absolutely fabulous since he's been with us. Delighted to have him on our side, and um, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant writer and someone that uh, I hope everyone will, will um, welcome with open arms. And um, yeah, but Chris, hurry back. Absolutely, and that's a Newcastle United fan, Jacob Whitehead, there as well. Thank you very much, chaps. It's been fun. We've had a good time. Another. Uh, six points and uh, nine points in the week actually for Eddie Howes at uh, Newcastle United it's been a good one thanks to all of you lot out there for listening we'll be back after that Arsenal game take care of yourselves and look after each other goodbye as they look uh, to get a fourth Newcastle into the corner. He's taking on two. Oh, he's beaten them. It's wonderful skill from Isak. What a run, Alexander Isak. It's going oh! in. It's Jacob Murphy. <laughs> Murphy has scored. Uh, but Isak gets all the congratulations.
congratulations after some absolutely incredible skill. The Athletic.